Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 113. Today, we're talking to Cheryl Jones about when your cosmic egg is cracked. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. And Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of peace and cooperation. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls ages 11 and 8 now. Holy moly. I'm so glad you're here today, my friend. Welcome back. If you have been listening and hearing all these amazing conversations and solo podcasts, welcome anew. If you are a new person, I'm so glad that you are here We mix it up here at the Mindful Mama podcast, but I'm so excited for you to hear Cheryl Jones. She's a wellness strategist, a keynote speaker, and an author. She is a mindfulness, resilience, and well-being expert focused on empowering women to grow, thrive, and lead. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. We're going to talk about social conditioning and how self-care is not a nice-to-have kind of thing, and how striving just sucks the joy right out of a day. So you are going to love this conversation. And 
right now in the world of the Mindful Mama podcast and the mindful parenting world, we are deep into the, our, our course, which is exciting. And I'm going to have a new free training coming up in a little while in May. And it's going to be called the Unmartyr Yourself Challenge. So you can check that out at mindfulmamamentor.com slash events if we have something up about that. So if you're interested, do check that out. And if you'd like to support the podcast, please keep doing those wonderful iTunes reviews. We're over 100 now, which is great. It really makes a big difference. It helps people find the podcast. It just has to do with the iTunes algorithm and leave those reviews on Stitcher wherever you find them. That really helps. And I thank you so much for sharing the podcast and all these wonderful emails and notes have been coming in lately. It's really feels amazing to hear about your ahas and things like that. So I love that. Thank you so much. And now on to this episode. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Hi, Hunter. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I got had the very lovely pleasure of seeing you speak at the Emerging Women Conference. And you talked about your story and you talked about your book, which I love the title of it. It's called Thriving When Your Cosmic Egg is Cracked. <laughs> So, so you teach mindfulness at the Mindful Path. So take us back to what was going on in your life when you discovered mindfulness and when it started to call to you. Yeah. So, you know, I think for me, my background at the time, I was very focused on exercise. I was a personal trainer. I had a fitness studio in Manhattan and I was an exercise physiologist. And of course, that's still my background, but that's at the time I was so focused on the body and I thought, Hmm, something seems to be missing. There's, there's more here. So what is the connection between the body and the mind? And what is the connection between the body and the mind and the spirit? So I started becoming curious and stumbled upon John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. And that really opened my mind and helped me to become more aware of this whole body-mind connection. And that really, you know, again, began my journey with mindfulness. And because I live in Connecticut and his program is based and still is at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, it was actually easy for me to go and be trained there. So that really began my journey with Mindfulness Hunter. And you were a mom at the time, right? Yeah, this was 1996 and my son was two and my daughter wasn't even born yet. So yeah, this was very much at the beginning of my parenting journey as well. Yeah, I can imagine a two-year-old would drive you to look for mindfulness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so you were working as a trainer, you know, you had your own business and you started to started to dive into this mindfulness. And then tell us what happened. You share your story really candidly in on your site and, and I think in, in your book, When Your Cosmic Egg Was Cracked. Can you share what, what is the cosmic egg? Tell us about that. 
So the cosmic egg it is a term that came up when I was doing my certificate in spirituality. I, I Part of my journey was at University of St. Joseph's here in, in West Hartford, Connecticut. And this term cosmic egg came up and I thought, wow, that really resonated with me at the time because what was happening in my life at the time is that I realized I had married a a very stressful person and it was really at the beginning of understanding the fullness of that you know it was kind of the awakening that wow how do i manage myself in this marriage and so for me it was very early on in my marriage and in my parenting journey when i realized that there was something that was very overwhelming that was starting to to bubble. And as it turned out, my husband was indicted for a number of white collar crimes. And it was just so shocking and painful and embarrassing. And really, that's to me when I, I had this experience of having my own cosmic egg cracked because here I was, I was just married, you know, just with my babies and I was so happy to be married and so excited to be a family and begin this journey. And it was like my dream come true. And almost like before the dream started coming true, it started unraveling. And it, it was a very painful, frightening time in my life. And thank goodness that I had started down this path with mindfulness because I truly believe that it helped me to survive. Wow. That has to be an incredible shock to the system. Like, Did you have any warning or any knowledge about this thing going on with your husband beforehand? No, I can tell you exactly where I was at the moment. My son was seven, my daughter was four, and I was on my way with a macaroni and cheese or a pasta salad, something like that, and balloons, and heading to a double birthday party. My son was turning seven, and someone else in our play group son was also turning seven and I'm, I'm going to this double birthday party and I walk in and everyone's looking at me and thinking, what's up? And they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, yes, I've got balloons. I've got food. I've got cupcakes. We're, we're having a party. And then one of my brave friends pulled me over and said, well, did you read the cover of the Hartford Current today? And I said, no. <laughs> so that's how I found out. And this is wow. before cell phones. I didn't even have a cell phone. So I couldn't call and say, what the heck is going on here? I just had to kind of suck it up, get through the birthday party, and then go home and wait to have the conversation in person. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Are you guys still married now or did you separate? No, we got divorced a few years after the beginning of that. That was the beginning of the journey. And so I want to say maybe it was maybe four years later. It took us three years to get divorced. Seven-day divorce trial. Um, ended up with no child support, no alimony. You know, there was no divorce settlement. I had to file for bankruptcy. He went away for 10 years and I raised my children by myself. They were seven and 10 at the time. Yeah, it was 
that sounds that's like truly devastating, but at the same time, you know how it goes in life. That which doesn't kill us makes us stronger, as I think Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, has is quoted for that. Is and she- so, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I can really, this was obviously not the life you expected for yourself. And you clearly, you could have had a, the kind of the two options there are just succumb to this and be sort of awash in misery, which I'm sure you had those moments, but then take this. And this is, it sounds like this is what you did is like, take this challenge, the suffering, all this stuff and, and turn it into what can I learn from this? Yeah, and that came a little bit later. I mean, first of all, was surviving. And so really using my mindfulness practice to stay stay grounded and practice self-care as I was, you know, helping my children deal with the loss of their father. You know, they were young. So yes, it was embarrassing for me and for them, but mostly for them, it was just so traumatic to lose a parent. Your father's here one day and gone the next. And so they really did suffer a lot from being in that situation. So I really needed to take care of myself uh, so that I could be there for them. And so, yes, it was first survival and it was moment to moment, day to day, week to week. What do I need to do so that I can be there for my children as a whole healthy human being? Yeah. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah. And I love that, you, you know, there was that recognition like, I have to be taking care of myself at, you know, I have a responsibility to take care of myself at a really deep level. 
so that I can show up to this incredible challenge of raising my kids by myself and, and meeting their big feelings, all of it. Yeah, the self-care piece I do think is a bit of a challenge and how we understand self-care. It's not a, a nice to have. We need to have space moments where we can nourish ourselves so that we can bring our whole self forward into parenting because parenting in any circumstance is a challenge. You know, there isn't a playbook. While there are many wonderful resources out there, each of us has our own value system. Each of us has our own vision for how we want to be a mom. And so it is going to be a little bit of a, a solo journey. So how we want to be a mom and, you know, bring all of who we are to the moments of being moms. <laughs> Yeah. No matter what our circumstances are, right? That's the universal thing that we share as mothers. Yeah. At Emerging Women, you talked about five things to thrive. Obviously, from your story, you've, you've gone to these depths and you've gone to these heights and you take this knowledge with you. And what you said at Emerging Women, which I'm kind of hearing what you're saying now too, is the idea of recognize the loss, right? And you talked about that. Most of us internalize the stress. And, and then mindfulness helps us to heal rather than seal our wounds. And is that how you experienced it then? Did you have some internalization? Like, how does this relate to your own story? Yeah. So it's a lot of times as we're going through life, we experience losses, but because of our social conditioning or our upbringing, we really haven't been taught to recognize the different situations that we might experience as losses, right? Like usually we think of loss as, you know, if somebody dies. And of course, that's the significant loss, but there are other losses that we face like divorce or a breakup or infertility or even aging or health issue. These are all different kinds of losses. You know, anytime something that we we dream about, you know, doesn't happen. Any dream that doesn't come true, right? So if we don't acknowledge what the loss is, then we kind of like the ostrich in the sand, pretend we're fine, it's all good, I've got this. And as women, we tend to do that because we're supposed to be strong, we're supposed to be command central, we're supposed to have it all together, be kind of that pillar of strength for our families, right? That's how we, most of us have been conditioned, and which is fine. It's just that we do need to acknowledge when we experience a loss, because if we don't, then it ends up showing up somewhere else when we suppress that. So for me, it was very much about acknowledging, yes, my husband embarrassed me. He did this horrible thing. Yes, he's not going to be there for our children. Yes, this person is not who I thought he was. Now we're getting divorced. Now I'm a solo parent. Now we move to the big house, to the little house. You know, everything. It was just like one loss after another. And in order to survive that, I had to keep myself, you know, really present in the moment and acknowledge one at a time and get to my yoga mat, get to my counselor, you know, make sure I was eating healthy foods, make sure I had alone time, make sure I had social time, make sure I was doing a lot of things to help me process 
those losses, to your point, not to bury them, but to acknowledge them, you know, little by little, one by one, so that we can heal eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you kind of how you did that. And you, you told us how you did it with your, your counselor, your yoga, and, you know, going to being with your friends. And was it hard at times to kind of make yourself check the boxes? You know, that's a really interesting way to think about it. It was for me kind of asking that question in the moment, what do I need right now? And I might've had get together with a friend you know, and I might have had that plan, but in the moment, I always would check myself. I didn't check the box. I checked myself. Mm-hmm. You know, is this really the right thing for me right now? If I had an emotionally draining day, you know, I probably didn't have the energy to go out and be social. I really just needed to have some quiet time or vice versa. So I think it's like having that plan of all these self-care practices, but at the same time holding it lightly because it's really about what is the moment calling for or if my children needed something for me. Or in reverse, I would thought oh, I was going to you know, have this time with my kids and as they got older and they would have their own plans. It's like, okay, well, I just got dusted. Here's an opportunity. <laughs> Let me call someone and make a plan. So it was kind of keeping my fingers on the pulse of the moment and doing what the moment is calling for. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate this idea of acknowledgement and this idea it's in that moment, the self-awareness of what do you need and things like that. But, and I really also appreciate this idea of the acknowledgement because it's acknowledgement is a huge thing that we tend to want to skip right by and everything in our culture. We talk a lot about acknowledgement in the mindful parenting course that I teach and just kind of saying what you see that that process of labeling and maybe you can speak to the idea of what does this idea of saying what we see is happening whether it's in ourselves or whether in our kids how does this help in the brain to give us some more grounding yeah that's a really powerful question because again most of us aren't trained to acknowledge right it's about as you said, kind of moving on to the next thing. And life these days is moving so fast. So creating spaces to pause as we go through the day and simply note, you know, what is true? What is our truth in the moment? You know, without judgment is is obviously the key in mindfulness practice is to notice what's happening within us and around us in the moment So to acknowledge what's true and to do this with patience or kindness or curiosity, you know, non-judgmentally, whatever word resonates with you, but that willingness to pause and stop and acknowledge is the beginning to living life consciously, right? So we come off autopilot and live more consciously. And what that enables us to do is to over time, cultivate resilience. When we're willing to notice whatever thoughts are going through the mind or whatever feelings are present, when we're able to do that, just for a few minutes here and a few minutes there, that that helps us to build our ability, our belief in ourselves that, you know, we are resilient and it's okay. We don't have to be afraid of acknowledging what's true. It's not going to overtake us. 
We're simply creating a space to notice what's happening without judgment. And over time, that improves our resilience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can be present with this and it's not, I'm still here. (laughs) I can be present with this and I can still be okay is an incredibly, incredibly powerful practice to cultivate for sure. So you talked about this idea at our talk, but this idea that we need, you've already talked about this sort of high level of self-care, but this idea that children need only one grounded parent. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, what I can share is that that's what my counselor told me. <laughs> she was just trying to make me feel good. <laughs> because I, I am not a psychologist, but that stuck with me. And I thought, because of course, the shame, you know, and Brene Brown talks a lot about shame. I, even today, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever actually heal fully from this because it was so traumatic, you know, the shame that I felt that, oh my gosh, this is, this is the father of my children. And how did this happen? And so for me, I felt so terrible that my children would suffer in this situation that I just hung on to that because I guess I had to believe it. That Okay, if I can be grounded, then this will make everything okay. So I, I had to try, you know, and so that's about as much as I can say, because from a clinical perspective, I truly don't know if that's true. <laughs> I know that that's, that made me focus not to be a perfectionist and put more pressure on myself, but simply to feel like, okay, okay, it's not that bad. If I can be grounded, then they'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe that's true. I mean, that whatever was happening in their lives, whether with one parent or two, you, you being grounded a lifetime better than you being losing it and <laughs> drinking on the couch or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was an option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what does your mindfulness practice look like? What did it look like then when you're in this place of like, oh my gosh, I have to take care of myself. And I'm the only parent to these two kids who are younger. And what does it look like now? What does your meditation practice look like? So it's always changing, right? I mean, that's why we call it a practice because it's really, I guess, because I'm trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction, there are four formal mindfulness meditation practice that I, you know, kind of float in and out of. And one is sitting meditation, another is a lying down meditation or walking meditation or mindful movement or, or yoga. So I, my journey has always been about kind of what do I feel like doing now? <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like lying down and doing rolling on the floor yoga in my PJs and just kind of tuning into the body and working out all the kinks. And sometimes it's, you know, standing in the supermarket and when somebody runs back for one extra item and I'm in a rush, putting my two feet firmly on the ground and breathing in and out and remembering that I've been in that situation too. And sometimes it's, you know, driving. I I drive most of the time in silence. And I know that's not always possible when the kids are in the car, but whenever the children were not in the car, that was my practice and it still is. So for me, Hunter, it's always been a combination of formal meditation practices, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, one minute, you know, whatever I could grab and on an informal practices. You know, if I'm chopping the carrots, just chop the carrots. If I'm folding towels, 
fold the towels and know that I'm folding towels. Driving and know that I'm driving. If I'm sitting there and you know trying to have conversation, even with my adult children who are now 23 and 20, it's like, let's put our phones away and be present for each other while we're having this dinner together. So it's always been a combination of formal meditation practices and consciousness in the moment, you know, just doing one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you recommend for people who are just starting out, who want to start a mindfulness practice, but they feel like, you know, I've got young kids and they wake up early or I'm not sure when I can fit this in. What do you recommend for people who are just starting and wanting to develop some a consistent practice to, to ground them? So I do believe that, you know, we have to kind of meet ourselves where we are and, you know, no matter what ages our kids are, you know, that mindfulness can really contribute to bringing out the best in our parenting. And so starting with even just five or six minutes, you know, carving out just a short amount of time and then periodically as you're going through the day to stop and put two feet on the ground and breathe in and out and take just a few moments to do a little compassionate check-in. How am I doing? What am I doing right now? Just breathing and noticing in the moment. So again, just a few minutes of a set aside and then periodically checking in throughout the day is a good place to start. I actually do have a mindfulness meditation program, which Every practice is under 10 minutes because that's just where we are in today's society. We don't want this to be another thing that we add to the to-do list. And so 10 minutes seems to be manageable for people. And then once we get going with understanding how mindfulness can really help us and support us as we go through the day, it starts to become less effortful and more not this thing that we have to do, but more of a way that we are, the way that we engage in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really see that as it's a positive feedback loop. And it's just um, the hard part, I think, is just kind of getting started, right? It's like once we start to feel some of the effects of our mindfulness practice, it's like, oh, this really feels good. So therefore, I will continue it. Or sometimes it's like you start for a little while and then you drop off and you say, oh, my mind is crazy again. <laughs> I feel very much a lot more stressed out again. And so you come back to it. Is that what you see in the people you work with? Yes, absolutely. And it's also helpful. You know, I've seen people try different times during the day, five minutes before the children wake up or one right after they get on the bus or before they come home and the bus is coming to the stop, having a little space there or before tuck-in or even after tuck-in. And I've seen a lot of people, and I did this with my own children as well, you know, to introduce mindfulness. There are some lovely books out there for introducing mindfulness and meditation to children. And so it can be something that maybe we do by ourselves. It can also be something we introduce to our children because let's face it, they at very young ages are expressing that they feel stressed. And so as we develop a a, a mindfulness practice for ourselves, it's even something that we can bring to our children. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We take our kids in the summers to a mindful, a family mindfulness retreat at Blue Cliff Monastery in New York, which is in the, a Buddhist monastery in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh. And what's wonderful about that is the parents can go off and do their practice and they have a whole program for the kids where the kids sit with these monks and nuns and they teach them how to invite the bell and mindful eating. It's really great. So, but then there's, and now there's so many incredible resources. Oh, hey everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Speaking of resources and things like that, like, do you find, what do you think about, like, um, do you consciously take in information in your life that is going to kind of support your practice and support your choices as far as being living really consciously, as far as the media you take in and the books you read and the TV shows you watch? Yeah, that's, that's a really important point, and I'm so grateful that you brought it up. Absolutely. When my children were born, I turned the television off, and I know that sounds a little extreme, but it was completely purposeful. The TV was on when there was something very specific that we were going to watch together and that I wanted them to see, and even for my own brain, that I did not want to have anything unnecessarily negative in my brain and in my being while I was trying to raise my children and especially when my own life became very stressful. So yes, I think consciousness around what we see, what we hear absolutely impacts our stress level because our stress comes from not just how we interpret stress or perceive stress, but it's coming at us all day long from our notifications and the repeating news. And so, yes, mindful living is very much about being conscious about what we allow into our 
brains and our minds and what we see. So yes, being purposeful about, you know, what we are choosing and recognizing that that is a very powerful choice point for us as moms, that there's lots of stressors that we don't have control of, but that is one that we do have control of. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. I mean, I, it's amazing. I think we are in this point in our world, right? Where we've never really ever had to like curate and kind of hold back some of the information of the world before. There just has never been, who knows, uh, maybe people felt like this before, but it really is quite obvious to me now that we are at a point where we have to create uh, healthy boundaries between us, ourselves, our mind, our body, spirit, consciousness, and the just the barrage of information and news in the world. I mean, not just news, but just stuff in general. Yeah, it's the technology is a, a gift. It's such a wonderful tool. My daughter goes to school very far away and I love being able to when she'll allow me <laughs> to, you know, FaceTime with her. But so technology is a gift, right? But we have to use it intelligently and we have to use all these wonderful digital tools and online resources in ways that are helpful and to be conscious of what their impact is, right? Like I can feel myself getting cranky if I am too much on, you know, social media or in front of my screen too long. It's visceral to me. And I know when I need to go out and walk and get some fresh air. So I think mindfulness helps us to notice what is the impact of all of this, you know, to your point, it isn't just news. It's all of the media that we have access to, and it just doesn't stop. There's never downtime. So mindfulness for me has been such a, a great way to notice how it's impacting me and then help me to make a different choice in the moment. If I feel like I'm getting, it's negatively impacting my well-being. Yeah, yeah, because with your mindfulness practice, you can see, you can see how it's affecting you. You're not just lost in the, in the thoughts. You're not just in the, you know, you have this place of being able to step back and see, oh, look what this, this is happening to me. It's that place of the observer, I suppose, right? Yeah, and I would also offer that compassionate observer because yeah. it's really easy for us to be very self-critical. Like, oh, why are you watching that? You should know better. That kind of like berating, it's like, we we notice and say, "Oops, sweetie, let's ah, let's turn that off. We don't really need that right now, you know." So to really speak kindly to ourselves, and if we're making a choice that maybe we realize isn't so helpful, you know, to kind of shift, but do that compassionately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before we we wrap up, Charlotte, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about. In you've talked about mindful leadership and some of the things involved with that you talked about two things, being happy right here and right now and non-striving. And I want to just end with these because I think the idea of being happy right in the here and now, I think that a lot of us don't, aren't really giving ourselves permission to be happy. We don't expect to be, (laughs) like we don't go through the day and expect to be happy and and have enjoyment. We're just kind of slogging through the to-do list, right? And so I wonder about that, if you could speak to the idea of this this choice to be happy, and then, and then talk to us a little bit about non-striving, and I, I imagine they might be very much connected. But I'll let you take it. 
Yeah. So here's how I, I see it and how I've experienced it. Right. And so that's the perspective that, that I'll share here, Hunter. One of the attitudes of mindfulness is non-striving. And that doesn't mean that we can't have goals and dreams and aspirations. It's more about how we go about achieving our goals or you know, realizing our dream, right? So it's this, it's really easy, right? We have a to-do list and we maybe check most of the things off on our to-do list today. And we have a choice to say, okay, let me just keep that to-do list going because it really is never ending, right? So to me, it's taking a pause. And as we're checking off items on the to-do list, like what if every time we checked off an item that we paused and had a, a yay me moment or gave ourselves a virtual hug or an girl, <laughs> and, and just acknowledge that, you know, look at you accomplished this. Give yourself a moment of acknowledging this, you made this happen. Instead, what we typically do is just we expect that we're going to get her done and the to-do list keeps going, and it's, it's this constant um, striving for the next thing that we want to accomplish or that needs to get done. We're, and, and, and I would invite us to, to me, the attitude of non-striving is to make sure that as we're doing whatever it is that we're doing, some things are very mundane that we all have to do every day, and some things are you know, really big, like having the courage to bring our voice into a conversation in a meeting or to really take on something that, you know, maybe is an injustice and use our voice in a a way that reflects our value. So we're all involved in these little choices of, you know, how we're going to handle different situations and getting all those things done every day. And so what I would offer is that we stop and acknowledge what we have done and how hard we tried at something, even if we didn't get the outcome, to acknowledge our intention and our willingness to try. Mm. And we don't usually do that. And I believe that's, that causes unhappiness. So to me, I believe if we are willing to come off of the constant efforting and striving and are willing to pause and acknowledge that that just naturally brings some satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness. That of course I have more goals and my task list is going to be what it is and I'm having all these things that I'm planning. That's life. But if I am willing, it's how I'm doing that. If I'm willing to stop and allow myself to be happy in a moment with what I have accomplished right here, right now, that that's enough for right now. And tomorrow is a new day, and I have the whole rest of my life too. It's it's never ending, right? And so we could either do it the stressful way, or what I believe is a more peaceful way, the way of ease. And I believe that contributes to our happiness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> like doing, can we give ourselves permission to go about things without, you know, with this idea of enjoyment, what we're doing. And just like 
your book that you read way back when, wherever you go, there you are. Right. I love that title. It's got to be one of the best titles ever, right? Because once you achieve all your goals, you're still there. And if you're if you're not not enough without these goals, you're going to be not enough without the next goal, right? So then- <laughs> yes, indeed. We do put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and I would include myself. Everything that I'm saying, I practice every day, noticing when I'm getting into striving. And noticing how that sucks the joy out of my day. (laughs) And calling myself back and say, trust, of course, just sit back and let go and trust and know that if I, I put my best self forward and I have the best intention, that's enough for right now. You know, one baby step at a time here. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Cheryl. So where can people find out about your work? And I assume your book is in different places, but where can people find out more about you? So I have a website and it's themindfulpath.com and more about my story and mindful tools and other services that I offer are on, again, my website, themindfulpath.com. And Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be here with you. And I totally appreciate this conversation, Hunter. Yay, yay. And I appreciate I appreciate your bravery and putting your story out there because it's a lot of vulnerability to talk about that the story about your husband. And I appreciate that your bravery in doing that because opening yourself up to that that this is what happened, this is how I suffered, and this is how what what came from it. And it really makes it so a lot of people can really hear you in a way and take this information into their hearts and minds in a way that is is deeper. So I, I want to thank you for the work that you've put out in the world. Thank you. The path to healing, I believe for all of us, you know, whatever it is, that it's the vulnerability piece is uh, part of our healing and embracing and our journey as it is. You know, we don't always get the journey that we thought we were going to get when we were little girls dreaming about how life would be, right? Sometimes things work out way better than we imagine. And then sometimes we have situations that we think, holy smokes, is this my life? I didn't read the fine print on this one. <laughs> But right, that's like, it's embracing our journey. And to me, that is how we live an authentic life, to take the wisdom and move it forward to create a beautiful, authentic life. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Wasn't isn't Cheryl inspiring? I just love her. I love that idea. Self-care is not a nice to have kind of thing and how she talks about our conditioning and shares so honestly her story. So, so cool. So if you have questions or you want to see the show notes, you can head over to mindfulmamapodcast.com. I would be so, so appreciative if you would make sure you're subscribed and leave a rating and share the podcast with your friend because it makes a big difference. And it's, you know, we want to spread these ideas far and wide. So when you share it with one person, that makes a really big difference. So thank you to everyone who's been sharing. Thank you to everybody who's been writing me notes and emails. That's been awesome. I really love hearing about your ahas and your feedback. Thank you so much. So you can email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. 
And uh, in a few weeks, we're coming up, we're going to do the Unmartyr Yourself Challenge. So go ahead over to mindfulmamamentor.com slash events and check that out and you can be part of it. And that's it. I wish you a beautiful, peaceful week, my friend. Next week, we are going to be talking to Jeff Warren about meditation for fidgety skeptics. So make sure you're here for that one. It's going to be really a good conversation. So wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to having a more grounded, more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable cooperative relationships with my kids. And I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this. And I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant, this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. And it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.